Hello and welcome to Meet Our Makers, an artist interview podcast produced in association with Beats Per Minute. I'm your host, Jeremy J. Fissette. On this episode, we get to meet Sarah Neufeld. Sarah is a violinist and composer whose best known work is probably with the massive Canadian band Arcade Fire. She's been with the band since their inception, but also since then has branched off into various other projects, including the music collective Bell Orchestre, as well as multiple solo efforts and soundtrack work. In this chat, Sarah and I discuss the newest Bell Orchestre record, which is their first in over a decade, as well as her brand new solo record coming out only a few weeks after, Detritus. We also talk about what it was like when Arcade Fire started gaining steam, and what she's been up to these days in quarantine, especially given the fact that she just had a baby two weeks prior to our talk. So please enjoy, and thank you for listening. This is me meeting Sarah Neufeld. start my video and I'm trying to block out a newborn yeah okay <laughs> uh here let me turn mine on great you mostly can't see him perfect <laughs> hi hi oh it is dim in here how are you doing good I heard you have a newborn how's how is that <laughs> he's so intense yeah good he's very cute but he needs to feed like at the weirdest times <laughs> like right now <laughs> <laughs> right now even though i i swear i just fed him he's like now yeah i'm sure you did doesn't interview, doesn't matter interview. yeah oh that's funny is it is it, is it most mostly good though yeah it's mostly good your mic looks really huge it kind of is i'm also behind it i don't know if it's a perspective it's thing. A pers- no it's hilarious because it, lo- it makes it look like <laughs> It's like the size of a fire hydrant and you're smaller than it. <laughs> mm, I am. Uh, I'm also so not used to the video being on. You're only like my second person who's turned video on. Oh, really? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's cool. I give it up to the person who I'm interviewing, but usually people are like, yeah, let's let's keep it off. Oh, yeah. I, I, was, I think I... people just get like uncomfortable on the camera, but also at the same time that like the one other guest I've had who wanted it on was like, with this year we've had... Mm-hmm. Like, I just want to, like, see who I'm talking to. Right. You know? so I've never I'm, done Zoom without video. I didn't even really consider it an option. That's fine. Even it's on my, now. Even in my predicament. <laughs> <I'm just> like, <laughs> That's true. You're like, I'm going to get this video on. I'm going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, so you have a new baby. So yeah. how are things? Uh, wh- how old is this baby? 14 days. Oh, geez. Yeah, we are. I like, know I was I was emailing. <laughs> I was emailing to, to, to invite you. And, and initially I was told, you know, well, Sarah just gave birth. So it might be a little while. And then I got an email and they're like, oh, Sarah's available. And I was like, oh, <laughs> like, I, mean, okay. I figured like I might as well try to do things. Yeah, I mean, just little why thing. not? Yeah, not like this I have is... to leave the house for this. No, this is pretty cash. Don't worry. <laughs> I have other I have other work calls. So yeah, yeah, it's exactly. just weird because like you can't predict what's going to happen at that moment. Mm-hmm. But well, if if some crisis happens <laughs> and you need to leave, <laughs> it's loud. Yeah, don't worry. Um, so things are good though, in general. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's an interesting time. Like. Um, 
my band Bellar Kess just released an album last week and then mm-hmm. my new record is coming out and like this baby and the pandemic and the vaccine like all this stuff is like it's like the wave is cresting or something like I mean we've all had an insane year and like yeah. my details are details but my details are all like raw <laughs> you know and it's like it'll be interesting to see I mean yeah it's weird putting out music right now is even weirder than it used to be like you know without touring but um but it's still music and people listen to it and that's rewarding <laughs> so yeah, it's like I mean, people didn't stop listening you know people didn't stop listening and it has if anything been they like, listen more right and it's been this empty void of a year right i mean for a lot of us like i don't want to put words into everybody's mouth but i haven't had a lot of like connection or collaboration or even creative energy for the past 12 months and so it's 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 fun now to be all of a sudden like you know at least like outputting and yeah. uh, and also feeling like the world getting a little bit lighter or like a glimpse of you know things moving forward yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know what the vaccine schedule is are you in Canada I'm in New York and okay so you're in New York, York. okay <laughs> yeah because yeah, like, I are you are you fully vaccinated no I'm uh, so I was supposed to get my second shot but then it was two weeks late and it coincided with when I was in the hospital okay so I'm just I'm waiting until well probably tomorrow you know so you got your first shot like right before your baby was due yeah, I did. Interesting. Yeah, because they, I didn't know when they would open it up to yeah. people under whatever. And I was pregnant and they opened it up to pregnant people. Oh, so I did not know that. I thought I would jump into that. And all yeah, the doctors were like, yes, just do it. Like there was <laughs> no like cautionary words, you know? Yeah, I know. I am due for my second shot um, on the 10th because I'm a I'm a teacher so we're a little bit ahead of the yeah age group my age group you know it's I think I'm in Connecticut so we're at we're at 45 and up now I think okay so it's moving along went 16 and up oh Um, you know what I think we're doing that like tomorrow yeah (laughs) now that you mentioned that here we're at 30 plus but it's 16 plus very soon yeah I know we're that's everybody we're doing that soon. And um, I don't know when they're doing under 16, but hopefully soon it feels, yeah. maybe it's a little quick to get optimistic because I'm I'm so used to being pessimistic about all this, but it does yeah, feel really- like we're rounding a corner of some kind. I don't think they can do kids yet because they haven't tested kit. Like it's more complicated, right? Yeah. I, I get, <laughs> I'm embarrassingly, I'm like, I heard on the daily that they haven't <laughs> tested kids yet. I know. I don't know much about it either. I just yeah. know what they tell me on the news. Yeah. yeah for whatever yeah. that's worth. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is interesting. You you know that uh, Bell Orchestra just put out house music. You have detritus coming and you just had a baby. That's like three babies. births. Yeah. It's three yeah. babies all at yeah. once. You're having triplets. Yeah. Um, was that... I know the baby was probably not quite in the equation at the same time, but like, is this just like a coincidence? Yeah. It's actually all a coincidence. First of all, (laughs) this baby wasn't necessarily going to happen. I was supposed 
to be on tour, but it because of the lockdown. Anyway, he's like lockdown baby. Mm. And Bell Orchestra, like House Music was supposed to come out, I think last spring. Oh. It's been done for a while. Okay. A while, a while. But, you know, we kept pushing it because it just didn't make sense to release it then. And my album could have actually been out last spring too, but same thing, like for different reasons, I I was just trying to find like the right um, European label and just things dragged on with the pandemic. And so, yeah, the fact that they're coming out within two months of each other and the baby is just a hilarious sort of like life yeah life chuckle <laughs> it is it is sort of humorous and then also though at the same time it's like you can't quite tour yet yeah which is like almost kind of nice though because you just had a baby i know and now it's like well i don't even have to worry about touring because i can't I know. so I and the same thing with like the the next hypothetical arcade fire tour i was always worried about like well but if i well if, what would happen if i had a baby and like <laughs> oh no and like there's no world tour happening tomorrow <laughs> like, nope. and maybe by the time there is one he will be a little bit less fragile than a 14 mm-hmm. day old pile of re- reflexes <laughs> yeah that is that is like i can't remember the last time i was even near something that that new yeah you know that's so fresh <laughs> no, i don't i don't know babies i've never taken care of even like a child before i'm not mm. I'm not a natural caregiver, but yeah, I'm like shocked. Like, what is this thing? Figuring it out. <laughs> um, so let's talk about um, detritus. So this is coming out May 14th. Is that right? Yeah. Something yeah. around there. Yeah. Um, I don't know yet if this episode will be being heard uh, before or after the release. So if it's out already, everyone who's listening, go listen to it. If it's not out yet, pre-save it and pre-order it because <laughs> yeah. it's, it's very good and it's um your first solo record in a while yeah um so I had I just wrote down some notes it's been five years since the ridge which yeah. was your last solo record and six years since the uh collab you did with Colin um never yeah. were the way she was which won you guys a Juno no big deal yeah um but so you said this record's been done for a little while, so it's not actually six years old, but why now? Like, what moves you in your life to say it's time to do another solo record? Well, actually, like, this record came about through uh, a, like, pretty lengthy collaboration with a dance company. Hmm. Um, so I was commissioned to write a full-length perform- like performance, <laughs> musical, like, half of a you know, modern dance, multimedia production, which toured like quite a lot. And so I wrote that, I keep getting my years mixed up this year. It's crazy, but like 2018, um, and we toured a lot in 2019 and um, and 2018. And so then I, I it, it was also part soundtrack. So Jeremy Guerra and I worked on it together the bulk of it is these pieces that I wrote, like um, kind of, you know, on my own. And then in, like we arranged them and he played drums on quite a few of them. Um, but then the, there's a whole other part of the music, which is more soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And so, um, <laughs> I don't know why he's upset with me. And so I wanted to make the the soloistic parts of the um body of work into an album like I always did I just had to wait 
until that chapter was over because <laughs> okay um because it was so busy we were also on tour with our cave fire and you know it was like that's the reason there's so many gaps in the schedule it's like it feels like it it just happened you know but in reality it was it was six years ago that I released the ridge and um or yeah whatever it was yeah but um in reality it was like everything now writing and touring this dance company and then chiseling it down into detritus but I mean that that seems to be kind of the a common thread um amongst people like yourself who are in so many projects (laughs) I happen to have a friend over right now (laughs) who's like actually professionally amazing with children so and yeah you're like please please (laughs) um but yeah that seems to be a common thread amongst amongst people like yourself. I was talking um, for the show a few weeks ago with Charles Spearin, um, you know, of Broken Social Scene, and, and he's in like three bands and everyone in Broken Social Scene is in like three or four bands. And it's just like this weird thing where you're, it, it feels like you're always working, but these things come out at these weird times. And so yeah. you're talking about detritus now, but it's actually almost probably three years old now. Kind of. Kind of, it's it, kind it of three years started, old. Started Like I started germinating it was a long process too because we wrote like I wrote the stuff with the dancers mm-hmm. in their workshops right and that took that took nine months of of culmination so yeah just to wasn't like a it was like a totally different um working experience w- much slower but also much more like much more focused too you know is that the first is detritus the first album you've done that wasn't strictly an album yeah at well, least solo besides, besides the soundtrack stuff i've done right and that was mostly with colin um yeah totally hmm. yeah 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 because uh, again it was like much it was a much bigger it was like an hour plus of music oh, okay. and, and uh yeah it was like a it's a different animal when you're doing something live, like on stage, you know, with, with all these other mediums. So, so you said these pieces, um, at least mostly kind of started with just you and then you sort of brought in the other arrangements. Is that how you typically would work? Yeah. Well, for the, for the stuff, like for the, the first versions of these, the pieces that arrived on detritus that were also in the dance piece, I wrote them um, basically and then brought Jeremy in pretty soon because I knew the pieces that were going to have drums were going to have drums. And so we workshopped them together and, you know, and then he also did a bunch of synth work like on a couple of them. And so, yeah, that stuff happened pretty quickly, but then, you know, there were more, uh, yeah, like I said, there was just, it's funny because we we were literally on the Everything Now tour the whole year where mm. where the writing for the dance company was taking place. So it would be like tour and then get home and then go to Canada and rehearse and work at like the Toronto or you know National Ballet School or whatever, like with the headquarters of this dance company. And so it was um it was really like piecemeal the timing of it. 
but yeah that is how I work I generally work like the violin is the core for most of the songs um and then percussion bass I because I play bass while I while I perform now oh, okay. I work with like an organ synth bass foot pedal thing so then that I'll generally write kind of while I'm writing the other stuff because it's pretty organic vocals I always add a bit later because it takes so much more um, mental dexterity to be able to play like that and sing as well so I usually put the vocals on a bit later so that I don't like make myself too crazy yeah this is I, I I noticed your voice on this uh solo album I don't remember if I heard your voice on your other solo records the last is it there one. okay it is there yeah, yeah. um but it's probably I, more present on this one okay yeah, yeah. and it's it, it is I mean it's not like you're it's not very lyrical it's more like no. you know atmosphere and it's almost like its own synth texture yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah um so did the dance piece that you were scoring um, initially, did that have its own sort of themes and inspirations that you were working with or did you get to kind of bring in your own? The themes and inspiration of the piece, I think like Peggy Baker and I, the choreographer, we kind of found together. She like she she spearheaded the whole thing. It was her her company, but her and I did a duet years earlier, a couple years earlier. Um, where she was asked to do this piece. And she she's she actually doesn't perform as a dancer anymore, but she was she's really famous in Canada as a as a soloist and she's in her 60s now. But she said, okay, I'll do this, but only if I can be paired with like some interesting young female soloist artist, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. They, she got connected with me and she ended up choreographing to one of the pieces from the ridge. Okay. It's really fast and furious. It's called um, From Our Animal. And so we did this duet with me and her on stage. And it's just like, <sighs> like super, super fast and crazy. And um, I, she asked me to write a lyrical ambient opening for that. And it just kind of like, for whatever reason, the lyrics, who we are in the dark was like, that was sort of the, the lead-in there's other lyrics too but she she stuck with who we are in the dark and made the piece this like you know company full-length piece titled who we are in the dark so that was the starting point for the theme which was sort of like loss intimacy grief um she took it on a bit of a macro universe level as well and I I was working on a more like interior version of those themes in my process but yeah since we had that common thread before established and we had that as a jumping off point and it came from lyrics that I created so it was it was pretty um it was pretty easy to work with thematically as a like because we had that experience in common and so I did notice some of the songs, like you said, have drums, some don't obviously, but the drums when they come in are quite thunderous sometimes. And then mm -hmm. other times you have like on um, the really longest song, Tumble Down the Undecided, yeah. um, which is almost 10 minutes. Yeah. And then uh, on the other side of things, you have things like stories, which are quite placid and quite kind of smooth. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
So with that sort of dichotomy in mind, I, I couldn't help but wonder if sequencing is something that you pay a lot of attention to when you're crafting an album, because it seems like it'd be something I would be like obsessing over. Mm-hmm. Well, to be honest, like the sequence of these pieces runs in the same sequence as the show did because mm. of the way, and again, it's missing the the more soundtrack noise pieces, but because thematically they're all tied together and they all evolve from, not all of them completely, but like energetically and thematically, a lot of them evolve from the one before especially the first three pieces those are like movements almost like stories unreflected with love and blindness or like a real progression I find so there was never any question of that I could have put the top somewhere else because the top is a standalone solo violin piece but it always felt right there so it yeah, I didn't actually have to re I didn't have to reinvent the wheel on the sequence. But for sure, like actually that was great because because I'd spent so long like living in that sequence and I didn't, you know, if, if it had felt sticky or weird to me, I would have made changes, but I luckily didn't. Normally sequencing is is totally something I obsess about and like yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's like na- helping the listener to navigate this sort of non-vocabulary like it's not words it's there's no lyrical story so you then have the the job of like guiding us through you know so Mm -hmm. with an instrumental album of any kind I would think that sequencing would almost be more important than with a lyrical record because it's like where do you want us to go yeah and so I could see myself like I said obsessing over that so the fact that you kind of had a sequence you could stick with if you chose to probably, I don't know, would be sort of a relief. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Because I put so much into the creation of the music and so much time actually performing it. It was um, like making the album. I mean, it wasn't easy, but it was way less of a process than other records have been except performance wise. Like I've gotten more and more picky over the years with my own performance which is annoying, <laughs> but um, I actually I actually went and recorded recorded it at one studio with a good friend out west in Canada, and I tr- it turned out to just be me demoing it. Like mm. I was that picky that I went all the way out there and recorded all the pieces. But I mean, to be fair, Jeremy wasn't there, and I was figuring we could fly in the drums. Mm-hmm. like I'd done before with him and it just was this stuff was too like it's so meshed it wasn't a question of flying the drums in so I just went and demoed all of the solo violin stuff and then was like oh, okay no 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> I have to do this all over and so he he actually came he's living in Australia now so you know meeting up with him is slightly more difficult than it it's used a long to be. flight <laughs> yeah um, who are some of the other people on the album? Yeah, so it started out just Jar and I, and then um, in New York, I brought in Stuart Bogey, who's a dear friend, and also like he's toured a ton with Arcade Fire at this point. We met him a million years ago. He used to be like the band leader for Antibellus. Oh, yeah, in New York, 
he's just like a super energetic, amazing um, sax and wind player, like really, really talented guy. And yeah, he's sort of like, I mean, he's, he plays with a lot of people. He's like a real man about town and he, he has a really special flute sound that I, I wanted. <laughs> like, it's not what he's really, like he's really known for like his uh, crazy, crunchy, Afrobeat tenor sax work, but I know about his flute playing, his <laughs> magical, magical flute playing. I'm not the only one, but um, so I brought him in to do these like clustery flute, flute choirs, which I think are really effective on the, like the more smooth, as you put it, pieces. And then, Pietro Amato, who ended up mixing um, the record, who is the French horn and synth and multi-instrumentalist um, in Bellarcast. Oh, right. He played, he played a bit of French horn. He played French horn on a couple of songs as well, but that's it. Um, so it's a small, it's a small crew. Yeah. It's not, it's not a heavily orchestrated um, album. I, I played a bunch of synths on it. Jer also played some synth on it. So there is like textures here and there that blend into each other that make it sound like there's maybe more going on um, than there is. So even though you have these gaps in time between projects, are you someone who's kind of always working as my dog barks by? Are you someone who's always mm -hmm. uh, playing and writing even if it doesn't end up on anything mm, or do you take breaks I do take breaks it depends what's happening like <laughs> I try to be someone who's always writing it but I need I need a deadline and I need I need like I need necessity to really mm. I think to really output what I want to output like all like I'll noodle around for sure and I have a million recordings on my iPhone that <laughs> I'll never remember to to check but um, no, I need somebody to like tell me like, okay, <laughs> I need I need a full hour of music from you or I need like to set a deadline for myself or, you know, yeah. I think also because I just like, my brain is a little fragmented. Like I have a bunch of different projects and then I also run a, a co-run a business um, here in New York, which, you know, it's just, it's time splintering. So <clears throat> Well, yeah, if you have that many plates spinning, you can't yeah. attend to all of them all the time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, is this your first album for Paper Bag Records? No, no. Um, it's my first album for One Little Independent. Oh, okay. Yeah. Scratch that. <laughs> it's my, so Paper Bag, it does North America and okay. One Independent is doing Rest of the World. And they are more commonly known as one little indian but they changed right yeah i know i that's um bjork's label right? yeah 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 it's super exciting to be working with them they're great and just yeah i mean the history of what they've done throughout the years and their roster currently it's like it's it's cool it's diverse it's yeah they've been um pretty good with like you said, diversifying kind of which voices they bring on and what styles yeah. they bring on. And I think they've been really good for experimental music. And totally. yeah, so that's, I yeah. feel, it feels like a nice fit. 
yeah, it's, it's not all one thing. And I really appreciate that. They're just like, they really like love music and support artists and kind of old school and a little bit punk and, <laughs> you know. So as we've mentioned, you also, in addition to Detritus coming out very soon, you just had house music come out with, uh, you, you keep saying Bell Orchestra, which is a lesson for me. Because I've been saying either Bell Orchestra or Bell Orchestra, but they're both wrong. Ah. <laughs> um, so it's a French pronunciation, and I'm not even saying it. If I went really French on you, I'd be like Bell Orchestra. Right, that little but syllable at the end that I can't replicate. The even more irritating thing for people that aren't in the band and don't know is that the word Bell is just Bell, like the English ding dong Bell, because mm-hmm. people are always like trying to make it all French, like the beautiful orchestra in, in French. Oh yeah. (laughs) I know I've seen people try to, I've seen people try to stick that E on the end of bell too. Oh yeah. We've even had like our label do it. Oh geez. (laughs) (laughs) Not our current. I don't know, but I mean, it's, it's a very easy mistake to make. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, uh, we, we mentioned that the Ridge was six years ago, but the, the last Bell Orchestra record was 12 years ago, I believe. Yeah. Um, so I can only, I mean, I can imagine that the gap has a lot to do with the various other projects that people have going on, but so then what brought you all back together? Well, in all fairness, we started making house music in 2015. Okay and (laughs) a long time ago yeah a long time ago like pre the ridge oh that's true wow (laughs) right i may yeah definitely we we actually like recorded them at the same time pretty much because we had just built our studio anyways um so what happened so we because of all the various projects we only would get together i would say like for a week every six months you know, living in different cities, having different agendas, being on all different tours. That was the real thing. It was like mm-hmm. Richie and I would be away with Arcade Fire and then we'd be available, but then Pietro would be like on a Patrick Watson tour or a Bar Brother. Like Pietro was in like four bands. Yeah, isn't he in the Luyas too? Yeah. And same <laughs> thing. And Kavi's a filmmaker and was always like somewhere in the world making a film. And so our schedules were just, oh, and Mikey always on tour doing um Michael Fierstack music and it just it was really hard for us to line up anything more than that and honestly it didn't really feel like a bad thing like it gave us a lot of time to germinate and like just kind of like tinker away slowly because we were working off of a an a purely improvised bed track so it was kind of cool to build it really slowly over time just like because we never changed the bed track but it was like okay what tiny little adjustments and ingredients do we want to add in here or there so we did that for a few years and then and then like mixing and mastering for a couple of years <laughs> well, you can't rush these things it's amazing i think it's something to be proud of i agree i mean honestly yeah it's not and it's not out of laziness or procrastination it's out of like time and wanting to get it right yeah yeah totally and so yeah, and I not saw... really needing, like, it's not like we, yeah, not being like, we have to get this thing out because we're <laughs> that, oh, like, we actually did 
tour it already a little bit like in the summer of 2019 we were we were invited over to Europe to do to do house music with a symphony in a couple of different venues and so we also built a little tour around that but that was like really specific to to doing it with this Danish um, symphony orchestra which is beautiful really cool. and Owen Pallet wrote the orchestral arrangement for it of course he did of course <laughs> learning how to play an improvised album along with a symphony was like school that's true because like you probably didn't write anything down and then and then the orchestra had it written down so it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. That, oh that that no, that's also, attention it's also off and mushy and just weird mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so interesting. I would have loved to see that. Well, we'll be doing that quite a bit more. Um, that would be fun. I mean, who knows, but that's the hoping. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I did read a little bit about the creation of house music, about how you all spread throughout a, a single house. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How did, how did that ever work? Well, because the, the house in question was, it was colonized house. We're not together anymore, so it's not my house anymore. Okay. But um, it was our house and we wired the whole house. So uh -huh. it was different floors and different rooms, all with the snake throughout and for that purpose. And, and so you we could, had- So you could hear each other while you played. Hear each other and we also had corresponding video. Oh. Our engineer Hans set everything up and made it totally possible and easy and it was actually great was that's such an interesting really way to work because it's like yeah it gives you space but you're still connected to each other yeah. yeah yeah interesting yeah and then you guys so you you basically removed like a segment of improv and then cut the album out of that yeah okay yeah very interesting yeah i read i think i read that you had like hours upon hours upon hours of recordings <laughs> Yeah. What makes you, you know, you don't have to go too long on this, but what makes you guys as a band say, okay, well, this is the chunk we're going to use. You have <laughs> so much to go through. There's so much to go through because that chunk was so cohesive and it was so striking that, hey, we can have an album that's just one long song with mm -hmm. all these different movements. All the other improvs, would, it would it would have not been that. And I think that the idea that we could have a 40 three minute long song or whatever it is with different movements, but because it, it all has the continuous bass loop with drum machine coming in and out. So it's just kind of a nice, it's like a nice uh, parameter slash limitation to work with as well, mm. you know, and you can go really, you know, you can go different places within the same uh, home kind of like, yeah. like, like we did, you know, it gets really ambient. It, it also becomes more PC in, in moments. Like it would have been, yeah, it would have been much, much, much different if we had taken like five improvs and made an album out of five different pieces. Like yeah. that would have been, that would have been more suited to like how our other albums were made, which is like, we started off with improvisations and then we would through compose them, change them, okay. build them, make them, you know, songs, but this, we didn't want to do that with, we actually wanted to keep every weird note and random thing that happened. So it kind of well, had to it, be simple. 
it does sound very cohesive. Like you've mentioned these weird notes and these things that are often mushy, but it's to my untrained ears, it sounds pretty smooth to me. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it is, but it it is also wild, you know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh something else that you were involved with that you've mentioned a few times a little offhandedly is Arcade Fire, um, which is probably the most famous, for lack of better words, project that you're involved with. Probably. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like it kind of is. <laughs> I think it is yeah. um, how, you've been involved with them from the beginning, have you not? Mm-hmm. How, yeah, did you, how, did, how, did, how did you guys all link up? Like, how did you link up with them? Well, it's just kind of like this, the English music community in Montreal. I don't know what it's like now. I don't live there anymore and I'm not 20. <laughs> but when I was 20 and, you know, it's a small scene. And so if you're playing music with your friends, your bandmates, chances are you're going to know a lot of other people kind of like-minded people doing similar things and you, you all kind of overlap. So Bellarkest <clears throat> was already was already doing stuff at the time. So Richard and I started that. And he I can't remember how he met. I think because he was playing in another band with Tim Kingsbury. Um and sometimes Jeremy. I can't remember exactly the lineup of the new international standards. But um it was definitely Tim and Richie. And they, I think, played a show with early Arcade Fire in like 2001 or something. And Richie was getting involved in recording, like he was taking recording classes. We, Richie and I were in school together. A bunch of us were in school together. Um, and so anyway, there was like some common some band overlap. And so Richie ended up recording Arcade Fire's demo or EP, sorry, EP. Um, and then and then he got involved with playing and, you know, him and I were playing a lot together and then I would play with them and yeah, we would practice in their loft. It was just kind of like small community. There's aspects of Montreal that are really like a small town, which is a lot of what's so great about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, so you, so you've been with them since basically the start, and now mm-hmm. you've you've seen them, and I, sh- I mean, I see them. I say them, but you're part of it. You've seen Arcade Fire kind of grow quite a bit in scale, in reception, and notoriety, and where yeah. you guys have been able to tour. Um, yeah. What is it like being in a band? Maybe this is a silly question, but what is it like being in a band? and seeing it go that on that journey, like, cause you have seen it from the inside. Like, what have you, what's it like from your perspective to kind of be involved with something that just kind of keeps growing? It's hard to have perspective on that when you're inside of it, to be honest. Like I do, you know, in 2004 and 2005, those years, were really striking because you went from being, you know, I don't like the word starving artist, but you know, like a young, a young struggling musician, like working minimum wage jobs, paycheck to paycheck, 
um, saving up enough scratch just to go on tour and living on hummus and all that. So you go from that, which is totally like everyone's reality. Like it's super normal. Um, like I still live on hummus when I, <laughs> so hummus is great, but, um, to then like all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're paying yourselves and I mean, your life, your life just changes so much, especially back then. And you're so young, like it, that's really like the, the steep curve of, of change. Right. And then from, from then on, it's like, um, I wouldn't say there's been that much drastic element of, of like world shift in the band for quite a few years, but definitely from our, from our beginnings of like driving a broken down bus without heat and, you know, just like all the kind of <laughs> awesome scrappiness of, of like young, you know, hardworking kids and um, just coming up and then, and then having it blow up like that. Like, yeah. Do you I remember know. a moment where you, where it kind of clicked with you? I do remember like just being kind of, impressed like that people were lining up to buy our ep this would i guess this was before funeral was out because we were folding the ep we would fold the ep things and make them and then we'd be opening right we were like opening for bands and people would line up and buy our ep mm. and that was like holy shit people are lining <laughs> up and buying our ep yeah, some of those early shows where the reception just seemed like so, like, you know, so enthusiastic. And then when the first album came out, it was, yeah, just like everything was sold out and everything was like bursting at the seams that had that energy of like, bah, like. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, Arcade Fire did hit the ground running. I mean, not every band, not every singer or artist has a debut like funeral that gets that kind of reception um yeah. you know it is still seen as one of the sort of defining like indie rock records at least of that decade yeah um yeah. like people still talk about it like that so it i would imagine that that the pace picked up quite quickly mm -hmm. yeah. yeah definitely i would think that would take some adjusting and it doesn't give you as much time to adjust yeah yeah Just gonna have to go with it <laughs> yeah I mean, it's mostly good, of course. Totally. You know, we'd also all been in other bands and mm -hmm. like we were all in, or most of us were in other bands like before, during and throughout. So it's, you also can temper, you have the, the different perspective the whole time too. It's like, okay, you go on this, on that kind of tour that's getting like a lot of attention and a lot of everything and like, you have your bus and you have your like certain size venues. And then you get off that tour and you go on your own tour or on a different band's tour. And you're like doing the driving yourself and you know, like, <laughs> all of, all of the other stuff. And so I think I always just like really appreciated the, you know, the benefits of being in something that, that did have its, its own steam and had all the, that recipe of luck and 
talent and timing and all the stuff, you know, it's like, wow, okay, this is like what a, um, you know, it's an, it's an incredible opportunity to be a part of something that, that does experience that kind of success. And, and, but I'm also really happy to have been doing other stuff the whole time too. And I think it's, it's always important to, to, you know, keep expressing and growing and being in different projects and developing yourself as an artist. And you can't, not every um, project can go that way. Yeah. I mean, you're, you as a violinist, as a composer, you're going to inevitably, um, you know, create differently with a band like Arcade Fire than you yeah. will with Bell Orchestra, than you will with your own stuff. Like, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so they all, I'm sure they all serve their own purpose, you know, for your own kind of outlet. Yeah. 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 You've also done, you, uh, you mentioned a little bit before, you've also done a little bit of film work. Um, I, I was aware of your score with Colin for Blue Caprice. Mm -hmm. um, I also just learned you also did a film in 2016 uh, called Lavender. You did the score for that. Mm -hmm. did, were you involved in the Her score? Were I you, played on it. You played yeah. on it? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, which I'm so happy is now out on vinyl. Yeah. It's like, God, that score is beautiful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's so beautiful. Yeah. Um, but I did notice with detritus it, there, and maybe it's because it was, I didn't know it was part of a dance um, piece, but there is something kind of filmic about it. Mm -hmm. um, is, is, is that sort of an aspiration of yours to keep doing, to keep doing kind of film composition or television composition? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, probably. <laughs> <laughs> is something you like doing? Well, it is, but I also prefer doing, something like a commission for dance okay. because I find it really rich and exciting and, and it's, you know, it, it's all, it's happening. Um, there's a lot of cohesion, whereas a, a soundtrack is more of a wormhole, which can be, and it's also intimidating. Like I'm not a, I'm not a professional soundtrack writer. So to get to that place, it's like a whole, a whole thing. And you have your like studio recording chops and you know you need mixing chops and like oh, like I don't yeah. really have those um yeah but um I certainly write in a filmic and soundtracky um way so so that is probably something I'll keep exploring plus with dance I would imagine there's something unique about scoring dance in that you you see the physical like reactions to yeah. the music and it's all interwoven and not that scores yeah. are obviously scores are important in film and they can be interwoven but they're done so long after you know the movie's yeah. done yeah. whereas with the dance it's a little bit more kind of together and i could imagine that sort of being its, its own unique kind of experience yeah. yeah yeah it's really alive and yeah. i find it like extremely rewarding in that way. So yeah. one thing I like to ask, um, because mostly because of this awful weird year that we've been having or past year and oh, we're past the year point now, year and a couple of weeks now. Yeah. Um, I know you've been busy for the past couple of weeks with uh, your child, but is there anything that you have been enjoying recently in terms of um, books or film or music, anything that's kind of been keeping you afloat? 
or even mm-hmm. hobbies and activities? Yeah, I would say like the thing that jumps out from the more like the beginning, like the spring, summer, what was keeping me excited for some reason was like biking. Oh, yeah. I feel like a lot of people started like yeah. biking really yeah, hard. I, I bought a bike even. Yeah, uh, I've always been into biking and I do have a racing bike and I really love road biking and all that. But it was like because I was just kind of grounded in New York City, you know, back in March, April, May, June. And things were really quiet here. And I was just like bombing around the city, <laughs> like crazy, really struggling parts. And, and and then, yeah, biking and hiking, I think, too. I got mm. like I did a lot of hiking in the summer. It was more Are just you... like because I like to I like the physical activity and that sort of like grounds me and 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 takes away some of the anxiety and depression mm. and that can get you down in a pandemic. <laughs> sure. Why not? Of course. <laughs> Are you someone who 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 does like to kind of leave the city and go into the wilderness and kind I of just do. like be there? Yeah, like I'm yeah. from Vancouver Island, which is a very wild place, and mm-hmm. I'll always be wilderness, you know, drawn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, there is something kind of even about your music, about your solo work, anyway. There is something kind of natural world esque about you know the sounds and the structures that you create. Yeah. 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 So I'm just I'm just tying it all in together. Yeah. Well, that ties in. Yeah. Um well, thank you so much You're for very talking welcome. to me. Really um nice to meet you. Yes, you as well. It has been a real pleasure. Um, you know, I've I've been with your music in one way or another for years, especially via Arcade Fire. Awesome. Um, and then also Hero Brother, um, which I strongly suggest people check out. Um so nice. Yeah. So it's been very nice getting to talk to you a little bit, especially with so many fun, exciting projects coming out in the same exact <laughs> stretch of time. <laughs> you're about, I mean, at the same time, though, like we said, you don't have to tour. So it's like I was about to say you're about to be really busy, but yeah. only with the kid, not really with the yeah, music. Really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're you're plenty. You're plenty busy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very, very much for talking to me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Take care. Yeah. You too. Have a good night. You too.